Oh God, you opened the meaning of the scriptures to the disciples on the road to Emmaus and set their hearts ablaze. By the power of your spirit, kindle our hearts as we hear your word read and proclaimed. In Christ's name we pray, amen. This passage from Luke's gospel today tells an Easter evening story of two followers of Jesus, one who's not named and the other with the unusual name Cleopas. <coughs> they encounter a stranger who walks with them, talks with them, accepts their donor invitation, and when they break bread, says the blessing. This is a story of men who move from despair to hope, from not being able to recognize who is with them to a new vision. At the beginning, Cleopas and his friend trudge along the dusty way. But at the end of the story, you'll see they run to share their good news. Listen now for the word of God from the 24th chapter of Luke. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as, as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. One named Cleopas replied, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place these last few days? He said to them, What things? They said to him, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But... Our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying, that they had seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary? for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he were, was going to go on ahead, but they urged him, saying, stay with us. It's nearly evening and the day's almost over, so he, he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were open, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. 
They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road when he explained the scriptures for us? They got, they got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I know we're still talking about Easter, but you know in the church, Easter is a season. For the world, Christmas is one day and Easter is one day, but for the church, both of those are seasons. Well, speaking of the Christmas season, let me tell you, just before Christmas, in my freshman year in college, that first year, I walked over to the Davidson Post Office to check my mailbox one last time before heading home to, to Georgia. As I was going in, I spotted my faculty advisor, Dr. Anthony Abbott. I saw the look of recognition on his face and I thought briefly, man, I was right to choose a small college instead of the big university to go to. It's nothing so personal as being a small college, right? And then Dr. Abbott spoke directly to me. Hello, John. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, that was not the first, and it certainly wasn't the biggest disappointment of my time in college. <laughs> Everyday life is filled with little disappointments. We plan a picnic, hoping for pretty weather, and it rains. You turn on the TV to watch your very favorite show, it's a rerun. We invite somebody to dinner and they say, no thank you. Someone promises to come to a meeting and then they don't show up. We buy our very nice, thoughtful present that we just, we hope she's gonna love and she responds as though for Mother's Day, she was not overjoyed to get a power tool. <laughs> I've, never, I've, I've never given Betty a power tool now. <laughs> Though Mother's Day is coming. <laughs> well, there's little disappointments in everyday life, but then there are major disappointments. You tell your friend your deepest, darkest secret, and then they tell it too. <laughs> You propose, and she turns you down flat, maybe with laughter. <laughs> you both promise to be faithful, and it turns out your spouse really didn't mean it. You apologize for your mistakes. You beg for forgiveness. But the same people you know stand up in a church every week and say they believe in forgiveness of sins, refuse to forgive you. And then, well, those are pretty big disappointments. Then they're major disappointments, really big disappointments. You pray earnestly for something, and God seems to have said, nope, or at least not yet. 
You plead for God to cure someone you love who's so sick, but they get worse. You're plagued by doubt and you just ask God for a sign. Give me a sign. And you just don't see one. Well, the simple words that start that 24th verse, 20, excuse me, 21st verse that we read, summarizes the feeling of the disciples who walked the road to Emmaus that first Easter. But we had hoped, we had hoped. They had followed this Jesus, this man who had just, they described as a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. The gospel writer does not tell us which text Jesus explained to the disciples. I'm just guessing. Maybe one of the texts he explained was uh, on that dusty Emmaus road was from the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, which says, Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering, acquainted with infirmity, or the old text says, acquainted with grief. As one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he was born our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, We've all turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and a, sh and a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice, he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Later in that same chapter, Isaiah says that he will make his life an offering for sin. He shall bear their iniquities. He poured out himself to death, was murdered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah wrote all that years and years, hundreds of years, before all those things happened to Jesus. Well, they, when you hear that story of the road to Emmaus, do you wonder why disciples of Jesus didn't recognize him? Well, you may have noticed that anytime you see somebody out of context, you may not recognize them. And when somebody's died, they're the last person you expect to encounter after they're, they've been buried. 
It wasn't the first time Jesus wouldn't recognize that first Easter. Remember at the tomb, they th Mary thought he was a, a gardener. A gardener would have made more sense. There are those who point out the disciples walking westward from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And in fact, the sun may have been in their eyes, as it often is on the trip to Berea for us. Whatever the reason, they did not recognize him until he took bread and blessed it and gave it to them. That wasn't communion, but it was certainly the companionship of an ordinary meal they shared. And in that relationship and that meal, they recognized Jesus. The disciples' response was to rush back to Jerusalem. You know, they just trudged down that dusty road for seven miles, but immediately they rushed back to Jerusalem. Because when you have good news, you just got to share it. You can't wait. Are you on the Emmaus Road today? Has your vision been blurred by some disappointment, by some frustration? Are you longing to encounter the Savior yourself? What made the disciples on the Emmaus Road see Jesus was two things, really. Scripture, which he explained to them, and the companionship of sharing a meal. Like the despondent disciples on the Emmaus Road to overcome our limited view, we have to encounter Jesus. I'm not just urging you to be optimistic, but to be hopeful. There is a difference. One of my favorite preachers said that an optimist is someone who expects everything to turn out okay and is usually destroyed when it doesn't. Somebody who is hopeful takes the long view and is willing to work through all sorts of temporary misfirings and setbacks and difficulties because in the long run, you're hopeful for a better outcome. Faith, he said, faith is the conviction that hope works. If you want to encounter Jesus today, well, you can join God's people and the work and worship of the church. You can study God's word for his message to you. You can do that in private and you can do that with the benefit of our Sunday school teachers. You can invest your life in service to others, helping those who are downtrodden, comforting the afflicted, easing the burden of those who are overloaded, feeding the hungry, and sharing God's good news. You see, we are the Easter people. Our lives are shaped by the good news that God so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thanks be to God. You and I are witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ who rose from the dead, who sits at the right hand of God in glory, who sends the Holy Spirit to empower us for service in his name. Now may grace, the grace of God the Father bless you with peace. May the love of Jesus Christ sustain you in joy. And may the power of the Holy Spirit fill you with courage this day and forevermore.